Do you wonder about past lives? Have you ever thought about where your soul has been? Where it's going? Or what lessons and memories have been gathered along the way? In this podcast, we will discuss past life memories, psychic phenomena, energy healing, and other metaphysical topics with experts and the average person to find out how we can heal through these experiences. So I invite you to join me on my journey. Welcome to the Regression Session. Came up and she's like, "Oh, I've never seen your baby. I've never met your <laughs> right onto my baby." Welcome back to the regression session. My name is Ian. Welcome to the regression session to any new people. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. A couple things before we get started into the episode. Don't forget to follow me in your podcast player so we can share the show around and help the community grow. We've reached the top 10% of all podcasts, but 30% of you is all that has clicked follow. So go ahead and click follow in that podcast player. Secondly, I have partnered up with today's guest for a while now, Dr. Bruce Koloski, to assist up-and-coming hypnotherapists and past life regression hypnotherapists with attaining a board certification for either of those, whether it's clinical hypnotherapy or past life regression hypnotherapy, you can reach out to Dr. Koloski and he's offered through my show 25% off of his board certification for either of those. You can find a link to that in the description under board certification. Today's guest is Dr. Bruce Koloski, and today we're simply going to talk about why you can't be hypnotized and what you can do about it. So he talks all about like the science, the scientific explanations behind hypnosis and past life regression and all that good stuff. And I'm really excited to share today's episode with you because I think it'll give you a really good idea about what hypnosis is. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Koloski. Hey, Bruce, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It was fun last time. I'm sure it's going to be just as much fun this time. Yeah, me too. I've been looking forward to having you on, really. And before we get too much into it, I've already introduced you, obviously, but I'd like to hear about you from your perspective. Sure. I am, I am by trade, a, a clinical hypnotherapist and a past life regression therapist, practitioner. I've been doing this for 45 years. Uh, besides uh, uh Seeing clients on a private basis, most of that is done online now, uh, as opposed to the way it used to be done in an office across a desk. But besides doing that, uh, I also uh, uh, teach uh, hypnotherapy, people to be uh, clinical hypnotherapists, board-certified clinical hypnotherapists, and also board-certified past life regression therapists. So I do that also. So it's safe to say you're an expert on the topic. I, I would hope so. <laughs> 45 years i better be 
I'm slinging hamburgers at McDonald's. Like, go ahead. <laughs> so I would I would go as far as to call you an expert of hypno hypnotherapy and past life regression and things of that nature. And that's why I asked you onto the show today. Um, as the title of this episode will suggest, we're going to talk about basically myths about hypnosis and how we can break those myths and just utilize hypnosis for or as the tool it actually is instead of thinking so hard about it. So one reason for my audience sake that I'm doing this episode is because I manage a couple different forums online where people come and ask questions about past lives, past life regression, et cetera, et cetera. One of the most common questions that I receive in these forums is I cannot be hypnotized or is past life regression worth it because I've tried a YouTube video regression or a regression on Spotify or whatever, and then it didn't work. So is it even worth going to a, a live hypnotherapist? I don't think I could be hypnotized. Okay. And, and I think that you don't believe people can't be hypnotized for the most part, and I'd like to hear your take on this. The, okay, to, to properly answer that, uh, let me say this. First of all, everybody can be hypnotized. There's no such thing as not being able to be hypnotized. The only people that cannot be hypnotized, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, so don't take this the wrong way, are people who are clinically speaking morons, imbeciles, or idiots. The IQ has to be below 40 before we say that they cannot be hypnotized, and I even take issue with that particular uh, criteria. But uh, for people who say that they can't be hypnotized, because they don't understand what hypnosis is. I like to explain hypnosis to people in terms of brainwave levels. Uh, brainwave levels is uh, we all go through certain altered states of consciousness uh, daily that uh, or brainwave levels that can be uh, th this is uh, which can be measured uh, by a, a EEG electroencephalograph machine. And so if we look at that, we can very, very easily see, if we understand hypnosis in terms of brainwave levels, we can very easily see that, yes, we can, not, we can be hypnotized. And uh, second, we are hypnotized each and every moment, almost each and every moment of each and every, uh, each and every day. Uh, the first brainwave level that is, is beta. Okay? Uh, the beta brainwave levels, beta is characterized by uh, critical thinking. It's the critical thought level. That's where uh, concentrated mental activity takes place. Most of our waking hours are spent in beta. You do a shop, make out a shopping list, you're in beta. Do a math problem, you're in, you're in beta. Uh, beta is associated with a very good sense of uh, uh, alertness, uh, logic, uh, critical reasoning, the critical factor, the faculties. And it's important for effective functioning you know, throughout the day. Now, states of heightened emotions, such as, as, as pain, uh, may jump the beta level up, way up there. The, the, matter of fact, that's also known as a backdoor to hypnosis. Um, now, the second level is alpha. Alpha is the relaxation level. Uh, this is characterized by a relaxed, relaxed alertness. Although alpha is best achieved with the eyes closed, you can be in alpha with the eyes wide open. Alpha allows us to access the sub, uh, uh, access the subconscious mind, along with um, giving us greater imagination, memory, 
learning, uh, concentration, whenever the imaginative processes of the mind are engaged. In other words, think about a trip to Disneyland or think about a day at the seashore, a day on the beach, a day in a nice little rowboat. We automatically dip down into alpha. So everyone enters an, into, into and out of alpha on the average of, 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 of uh, uh, five to 30 times a minute. So when we look at our brainwave levels, they're generally going beta, alpha, beta, alpha. Alpha corresponds to a light state of hypnosis. Theta. And looks, the next level is theta. Theta is, is characterized by, I'm going to call it a drowsy, uh, dreamlike state. It's also the creative level. Your scientists, inventors, often function at the theta level. That's where they would get those sudden inspirations. They get their grand inspirations, their great ideas. Theta brain waves are present during deep meditation and light sleep. And that includes what we call the REM, REM dream state, REM, rapid eye movement dream state. That's basically theta. It's the realm of the subconscious, it's the realm of your subconscious mind, and it's uh, only experienced momentarily as you drift off to sleep. So as it goes, so, uh, your brain waves go alpha, they go beta, alpha, then down into theta. And there's one level below that, which I'll discuss in a little bit. Your mind's most vivid, uh, deep-seated programs are at theta. That's where you experience vivid visualizations, uh, great inspirations, profound creativity, exceptional insight. Now, from a metaphysical standpoint, which is what we're dealing with when we do past life regressions, we're in the realm of metaphysics, uh, it's believed that a sense of deep, spiritual connection and unity with the universe can be uh, experienced at theta. Now, depending upon your depth of theta, because brainwave levels do vary, uh, this level corresponds to anywhere from a medium to a deep level of hypnosis. The next level is delta. Delta is generally recognized as deep sleep. That's, uh, that's the slowest of the frequencies, as far as the speed of the of the uh, of the waves is concerned, and it, it's usually experienced uh, in deep, dreamless sleep, and in very, very deep transcendental meditation, where an awareness is uh, fully detached. Now, again, from look at it from a metaphysical standpoint uh, or perspective, some believe that th this is the gateway to the universal mind and the collective unconscious. Uh, where information received is uh, otherwise is otherwise unavailable at the conscious level. So these pe people believe that you have to go down to delta. That's where you get this uh, the, the the information that would not otherwise be consciously available to you. In general, they, uh, delta corresponds to the deeper stages of sleep. Depending upon its level, it can also represent the deep or what you call somnambulistic levels of hypnosis. Some people call it a plenary state of hypnosis. Or it could be deep sleep, zonked out sleep. So, four basic brain, there's another one, another one called gamma, uh, but we won't even get into that because that's only been discovered in the last couple of years. So you got, again, beta, alpha, theta, delta. That's the way our brainwave levels go. That's the, what happens when we go to sleep at night. When we go to sleep at night, your brainwave levels are going to go beta, alpha, theta, delta. As you wake up in the morning, they're going to come, they're going to be just the opposite. They're going to come as delta, theta, alpha, and beta. So that's it. There's no place else to go. Hypnosis can't put you into any other place 
other than those brainwave levels. So, uh, and we all experience it each and every day. For most people, hypnosis is mid-alpha range activity. And although you're definitely in hypnosis, you're going to be fully conscious, fully aware of everything that is going on around you. So hypnosis is simply selectively focusing one's attention or on a particular point or a whole range of experiences. Because of that hypersuggestibility that is possible in the, in the alpha and theta levels, that's where it becomes valuable. So you see, uh, the task of a hypnotherapist is very simple. My task as a hypnotherapist is to put my client into at least an alpha level, brainwave level of activity for the length of time it takes for me to work effectively with that person. It could be as a, giving them suggestions to lose weight, stop smoking, improve their golf game, all for purposes of such as uh, um, past life regression. Although past life, past life memories generally can help, well, generally come around the theta level, most of it, but they, but they also come in, in, in alpha. So everybody goes through these brainwave levels. Like I said, you watch a, watch a movie, read a good book, get totally engrossed in something. You are accessing alpha, at least alpha, sometimes theta. So you're being hypnotized. So there's no such thing as not being able to be hypnotized. Right, and then like when we're when we're watching when we're watching a, a movie that we get completely engrossed in, that's technically hypnosis. That is technically hypnosis. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you another example. I, why eyes wide open hypnosis? It's called highway hypnosis or road hypnosis. Have you ever been on on a highway or a street or like here in California, we have the freeways, and you have one exit, and all of a sudden you're ten exits down the road. And you don't remember passing those exits. That's because you were in a state of road hypnosis or highway hypnosis. Temporarily, the driving of the car, the function of driving the car, was taken over by the subconscious mind. And you just don't happen to remember it. Because you were, you know, your mind was chewing the mental cud. You're thinking about other things. What you got to do next week, what's going on with your job, what's going on with your family. That's hypnosis. Yeah, I had so that I've, happen to me the other night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happens to me a lot. I used to do seminars out on the road, and I'd buy drive like a hundred hundred thousand miles a year, and I'd be going through you know uh, New Mexico and Texas and Arizona with miles and miles of open road. And sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd Jesus, how did I get here? I started out in in, in uh, I started out in Tucson, Arizona, and all of a sudden here I am in Yuma, Arizona. I don't remember much of going through that that interview, but I made it there safe and alive. So that's a good example. Of so you see, everybody can be hypnotized. But right. I, I don't know anybody who can who I don't really know anybody who doesn't either watch a movie or read books. Like even reading a book can hypnotize you, especially if you're very imaginative and you can visualize in your head. And that's my next question for you, Bruce, is the imagination. One thing that I've run into a couple of times in my personal practice and as as well as questions coming across in these various online forums is I feel like I'm making it all up. I I my I just keep imagining things and it doesn't make any sense. And so I just stop trying because it's not worth it because I'm just making it up. So what's the deal with that? Okay. That's interesting that you say that because 
I every time I do a fast life regression, uh, almost every time I, I said they, people will say, I think I made it all up. I tell them, you're going to say that after the session. You think you made it all up. So the question, because I'm talking about the images that they get, you know, I they went back to uh, Revolutionary War times and they, they lived a the whole life there. They got details and, and details and details. And they said, I think I made it all up. So here's the point. And everybody says that because you are experiencing, you're not actually, you're not, most people don't have what's called a revivification, which is a reliving. It's more like a retelling of that. Oh, yeah, I was here, and then I went there, and then I, then, uh, then I had a drink with George Washington, or stuff like that. So the, uh, they, they do, they are able to feel to a certain extent, but more, more often it's, it's more of a retelling than a reliving. So it's really a, 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 a misnomer when we say we, we revivified. But everybody's different. But what they do, so I always ask them that. I always tell them this. Now, when you th- say you think you made it all up and you have these images, why those images? If you made it up and it's not real, why did you make up that and not something else? Your mind directed you there for a reason. For a reason. Because there was something that was important, something that you needed to know. And that's why I want that. So whether you made it all up, immaterial, doesn't really matter. If you're getting, if, if you are, are getting something good from that, if you're reaching your goals by imagining that, chances are you didn't make it all up because your mind went there for a reason. It's got a million different other places it can go to, but it chose to go there. Right. And, and let me get your thoughts on this. I usually tell people, that have mentioned that concern to me. What I have told them is that I've told them two things. One, it doesn't matter if it's real because it's a real experience. And that's, I'm going to make t-shirts. I swear to God, one of these days, it's a real experience. And then, <laughs> and then the second thing that I tell them is at least in my experience, and, I, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on is I look at as an imagination as the first step to getting to hypnosis. Um, so when you when you go through these different brainwave states, you have to pass through your imagination to get there. And that's the point of setting up the, um, for anybody who's done a regression with me or anybody who's done a regression with a competent hypnotherapist or practitioner, most people who know what they're doing anyway, will set up like a safe space for you to return if you become uncomfortable or even if you don't, even if you become uncomfortable and don't end up going back there, they, they will allow you to use your imagination. Um, the people who I don't really care for are the people that are like, you're going to see a garden and there's going to be five raised garden beds and there's going to be a different color gnome. And then the first one, the hat's going to be red. The second one, the hat's going to be yellow, blah, yada, yada, yada. And they'll describe this whole scene for you. I disagree with that because it takes away. Worst thing to do, because when you do that, the person is sitting there, their eyes are closed. And they're, you know, what the hell did he just say? I don't remember that. Did he say I'm going to see a red one, or I'm going to see a blue one, or I'm going to see a green one? The person said, I, I don't remember. So what you're doing is you're involving the cognitive processes of the mind. The we want beta. to eliminate. Right. We want to, yeah, yeah. We want to eliminate that as much of that as we can. So it's very simple to say and to, to set it up by saying. 
Now, to begin, I'd like you to close your eyes, picture and imagine yourself lying on a sparkling white sand beach. The sky is the most gorgeous blue you've ever seen. Dotted here and there with puffy white clouds lazily drifting along. You feel the sun warm upon you. You can smell the salt air. You see, that's easy. That's easy for people to do. You're not giving them, you're not giving them work. As soon as you start giving them work, I right, tell them to imagine a red door, a green door, you know, a, a, a blue chicken, a, a red, a red <laughs> running around. You, you, you're asking me to work. When I have to work, I'm involving, again, the cognitive processes of the mind. <laughs> Keep it as simple as possible. And as soon as you involve the imaginative processes of the mind, you have, by definition, established an alpha level, of, at least an alpha level of brainwave activity. And by further definition, you've established the hypnotic state. Now, there's some stuff that I, as a hypnotherapist, have to do to perpetuate that level. And that's part of my craft. Because you're going to go in and out. You're going to oscillate. So I want to, I, I want to keep those brain level, brain wave levels as even as possible as I can with an alpha and theta. And there's ways to do that. Okay. So what, what advice can you give someone who's not a hypnotherapist, who's trying to become hypnotized, who thinks they can't? Understand the myths behind hypnosis okay let's look at some of them okay uh because i i you know i face these every day one is that the uh, hypnotized person goes to sleep or loses touch with the reality and that's what they're, they're expecting to do that uh, uh you know well i i, I wasn't hypnotized because i heard every word you said okay i'll get i'll get that sometimes well i don't get it because i I don't get it anymore because I've learned how to explain it. Nowhere is it written that under hypnosis you go deaf. Okay. You will hear everything I'm saying. So that's another thing that people people understand these myths and misconceptions, and that they're not true. Then they will realize that hey, you know, maybe, maybe I can be hypnotized. So hypnosis, first of all, hypnosis is not sleep. Yeah, a lot of hypnotherapists, I among them, will use the terms "you're going deep asleep." The only reason I use that term to go and keep asleep is, 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 is because of emotional connotations it has. You're rested, relaxed, lethargic. So it's a sleep-like state, but it is not sleep. Uh, another one is um, uh, people need to understand, and which will make them more comfortable about going into hypnosis, is hypnosis that is not being controlled by someone else. Uh, most people... Uh, have these uh, these uh, erroneous assumptions about hypnosis, and it's based on what they've seen on the stage. They've gone to a nightclub, um, or wherever. You know, the uh, oh, sometimes the stage hypnotist comes in and goes to the schools and does it at the schools. While the state fairs generally have a stage hypnotist, and the stage hypnotist gets the people up on stage, the volunteers up on stage, has them quack like a duck you know, uh, bark like a dog, whatever, cluck like a chicken, run around. But what people have to realize is that everybody who got up on stage volunteered, did they not? The stage hypnotist did not go out into the audience and grab these people by the ear and say, get up there. No, he asked for volunteers. What do they do? Take me, take me. Okay. Okay, they're volunteering. He gets them up there, and he also does things called suggestibility tests. He wants the people who are most suggestible, most suggestible to what he's going to do. So uh, he'll, he'll, he'll weed the people out. Some people will say, thank you very much. Go ahead and have a seat over there. 
And the other people will say, thank you for volunteering. We will be needing you tonight. He'll ask them to take a seat back out in the, in, the, in the audience. Because he's paid to put on a good show. He wants to get invited back. That's the way he makes his living. So he's going to work with people that he feels, that he feels are most likely to, to do what he's going to ask them to do. And you also have to realize that at these shows, these people are generally, they've had a few drinks and then they're three sheets to the wind. They're going to do it anyway. The people who get up on stage and do that are the kind of people who, you know, they have the old saying, they get drunk at a party, put the lampshade on the head and dance around the room. Okay. They wouldn't do it any other time, but when they get drunk, so there are probably certain centers in the, in, in the brain that hypnosis can, uh, can bring into play uh, that makes a person more likely to go along with this. But, but not, not everybody will do that. Okay, So the hypnotist is not in control. He's not making them do anything they don't want to do. So that's important that you understand that. Another thing is people say, well, you know, only weak-minded, gullible people, uh, stupid people, unintelligent people can be hypnotized. Actually, the more strong-willed, uh, intelligent, and imaginative a person is, the easier it is to hypnotize them. Yeah. Uh, so anybody with, with, with uh, at least average intelligence can go in. Everybody, I believe, can go into hypnosis. The ones with at least an average intelligence will go in more quickly and have greater success. Then, then you'll have the people who believe, well, what if I get stuck in hypnosis? You know, I'm, you know Ian, I've never seen a, a death, death certificate signed cause of death hypnosis. It's impossible. You cannot get stuck in hypnosis. If I were to hypnotize a person and I drop dead in the middle of the session, what would happen? Would that person remain in a hypnotic state for the rest of their life? No. They will wake up when they're good and ready. Of course, it might be eight hours later, but you know, good news, a good night's sleep. Or they'll realize that nothing's going on and they'll open their eyes. So there's it's, it's no such thing as getting stuck in hypnosis. No such uh, thing. And, and again, to reiterate, you go into hypnosis all the time. You do. Alone. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so which leads that, that, as we said, when we opened this discussion, that there is no that everybody can be hypnotized. There is no such thing as not being able to be hypnotized. Maybe not being able to be hypnotized to get up on stage and crack like a duck, but to achieve what you want to achieve for self-improvement uh, purposes, let's say, uh, you know, for losing weight, quitting smoking, uh, doing a, uh, having a better game of golf or tennis or, or a more a better concentration and memory. Yeah, everybody can be hypnotized to do that. So my next question for you has to do with the imagination as well, but on the opposite end. So have you ever heard of the condition aphantasia? Yeah, aphantasia, where they, where a person will say they cannot visualize aphantasia. Correct. I, I have that condition you personally. Mine's, mine is is about as severe as it can get. When I close my eyes, if you told me to, to close my eyes and imagine a white, beautiful, sandy beach, the most beautiful blue color sky the lazy clouds all i would see is just dark it would be nothing i can i don't even have a lot of people will tell me that they have inner like their inner self voice that will talk to them and 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 tell them things and like that's their thoughts is their voice and they'll actually hear their voice in their head i don't have that i don't have a single voice in my head i don't have anything it's just dark and quiet i've never had anything like that 
but I can still be hypnotized, but some people feel that they can't, and I would like to get your thoughts on on that, because this part, and, and you you might have a different opinion, this part be, with these particular people, I feel is more on the hypnotherapist to um, set up expectations versus the person putting in extra work to try to imagine. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it certainly does. Uh, now, other... The, there is complete appetition. Then there are varying degrees of that, too. Now, I don't expect everybody to be able to imagine as something as if it were a picture-clear postcard image. But uh, most people, okay, appetition is, is, is relatively rare. I mean, it's not something that afflicts 90% of the population. So, uh, but, but, but people, but I would ask you, uh, if I were to say to you, if I were to say that I want to describe you to you, Ian, and I'm going to say you are eight feet tall, you have purple skin, you have a green beard, and you have enormous ears like an elephant. Does that sound like you? What are you going to say? No. If you, if you don't know what you look like, if you can't imagine what you look like, how do you know that that's not you? Think about that's that. That's a good question. Yeah. How do you know that that's not you? Well, I've seen well, myself in mirrors. Because I saw myself in the mirror once. Okay, so what did you see in the mirror? And if you can describe yourself without, and you might not necessarily see yourself, you can describe yourself, then you, in a sense, have used a very, very rudimentary uh, imagination. But that being as it is, there are other ways to work with these people. So you don't put them on on a uh, sparkling white sand beach or walking down a country lane or whatever it is. You work simply with, with relaxation, muscular relaxation. There's a technique called autogenic or Jacobsonian relaxation where you, where you have tighten and relax muscles uh, um, um, progressively, okay, from the top of your scalp to the tips of your toes or, 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 or vice versa. There, there are different methods that can be used. So even if we just do muscular relaxation and mental relaxation without the benefit of asking a person to imagine, quote, unquote, something, we're still going to be successful. Imagination is just the icing on the cake. It helps the process along. But most, like people, most people will say, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. Well, they're not like you. They don't have appetition. It's just that they expecting to see things like a picture-clear postcard image. Uh, most people don't get that. They'll get hazy, uh, vague sensations of what it is, which works, which will work too. But it's not as crisp and clear. It's not always crisp and clear. Even if you don't have that appetition, it's not always crisp and clear. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, <clears throat> a lot of people that I've worked with for anybody listening to this who hasn't done a past life regression or even who hasn't has not received the results that they were hoping for or the results that they were even expecting, one thing that is really common is is a lot of the times with a um, – and, and this is going to lead me into my next thing, I think. With, with a, a live hypnotherapist, you can take pauses and they will wait for you when, when they ask you, okay, so – a question that I ask is a lot of the time is what is what are you becoming aware of? I don't even ask what do you see, what do you hear. I say what are you aware of? What's what what's coming into your awareness? 
And then the hypnotherapist, what they will do is they will sit there and just wait for you to answer. And if you're sitting there and you're struggling, at that point they can say, okay, well, do you feel hot or cold? Do you feel um, tall or short or whatever? And that, that they can help you along. And then with these videos that are online, you don't get that. And that's that's the next thing that I want to talk to you about is that's most people's very first exposure to past life regression is those videos. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on those? Well, my, I, my, my thoughts on those is that they're good as far as they go. It's great as an introduction. But that being said, people don't realize that that is not the end all and the be all. They have to realize that you know, the, uh, uh, a trained uh, past life regression therapist knows how to knows what to do in those situations. We have, for example, we start asking questions, and it goes takes a completely total different tangent than we expected it to take, and we start going down rabbit holes. So, by just having canned canned questions that the person is is. Uh, uh, is being directed to answer, you could miss out on an awful lot. You know, they may say something that, man, that's interesting. Let's explore that. You can't do that. You cannot do that with a uh, a canned presentation. You're at the mercy of, of their pre-planned route, really. Yeah, that's a, it's great. If people want to use that as an introduction, fine. But But because you didn't have success with that, there is absolutely no reason, no reason whatsoever why you should equate that with not having success with a person who is a professional and is working with you one-on-one, whether that be across the, uh, the desk in an office or in a recliner or online. I like that a lot. That's a great answer. And I agree with you. I really do. I think that I personally don't really care for the online hypnosis videos. I I don't. And, you know... <laughs> The reason that I, for my, and this is me speaking to my audience here, the reason that I started doing um, past life regression and hypnosis and things like that is because I, one, couldn't get into hypnosis with those videos. It just didn't work for me. I, I was just like, this isn't working. And then the second reason is because I was looking around um, my area because it's kind of woo woo here. Right, because they're very religious out here in Utah, um, mm. for the most part. People aren't going to past life therapists or hypnotherapists. They're typically going to regular therapists, and so the hypnotherapists around my area, they charge tons and tons of money that I couldn't afford, and that's why I was just like, I'll just do it myself, and I did it, and it, it worked out. It worked out very well. And another thing that you mentioned earlier is that the questioning yourself. I think I made it up. Well, what happened to me, Bruce, is when I first did it, I got a script. I read it to my brother, followed the script. My brother had this crazy experience, and I said, oh, that was awesome. Now you do me, right? And so I gave him the script, and he read it to me, and I was thinking, man, am I going to be like a Viking or a or a caveman or whatever? You know what, you know what I ended up being was a very petite woman who was living in a small cottage in a village in about the 1730s in America, who died in childbirth. And that's the last thing that I was like thinking yeah, was going to happen. I just have that. I, I, I have a, um, um, a client in, uh, going on right now in, uh, from Arizona, 
and I have him on a multi-session program. The, the, for the first two sessions, he ended up as a, he ended up as a woman in those past lives. <laughs> I said, we got two more. Okay, so the odds of that, you're probably going to get to be a guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, people are amazed at what can happen. Uh, also, what occurs to me, I, I do want to mention this. Uh, those canned YouTube type of videos can be dangerous. And here's why they can be dangerous. Um, I don't know how well the people learn it, but oh, I take pains to teach my students. So I'm teaching to do past life regression and therapy to, uh, first of all, not to set the person up for what is called an abreaction. Abreaction in hypnosis parlance is the contraction of two words, abnormal and reaction. It's an abnormal reaction to whatever you're doing. We don't want those people to have an ab reaction when we are not there to manage it. Okay, you're listening to Brian Weiss on, on this video. He's not really live. He can't manage your ab reaction. I can. Or I can do some things that will cause you not to ab react. The last thing I want to have is a person having the screaming memes and affecting them uh, after they come back to full alertness, after they awaken. I don't want to open Pandora's box. And, how, and that's exactly what you can do with these canned presentations. A can of worms that you get. Because the, nothing is, because in many, many cases, these safeguards are not built into the session. Anybody can take a script, can learn a script, and, and film themselves on YouTube. Get a camera and a script, can film it. Not knowing how to properly uh, use the safeguards. And I spend a lot of time in my classes teaching people about the safeguards that they should be using. You know, safety is very, very important. Does not uh, have to should not have to be traumatic. And you no. and you open trauma in somebody's life, and you're not. And uh, it can happen. I mean, anything can happen. But the other ways that you can handle it, and it's not going to be handled when you listen to a video, but when you watch a video, when I listen to the video. So be very careful. Yes, yeah, so, you know, safety is top priority. And that's why, you know, for right. us, I have a lot of up-and-coming hypnotherapists and past-life regressionists that listen to this. And one of the things that I cannot stress enough, because when I first started, I did not take the appropriate care, and I ended up making a mistake, and this happened, and now the person refuses to do anything else with hypnosis because I... I didn't do it right, but what you need to do is the uh, an example of these safeguards is these uh, safe spaces. At any moment, if you feel uncomfortable or if you feel um, like this is too much, you just find yourself back at that safe space Absolutely. immediately. Absolutely. Um, whatever you set up, I use a cloud. You can use a beach. Whatever beach, you can use it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the safeguards. Another safeguard I use. I is I may tell them I don't want you to experience the emotion. You can be aware of what the emotion is, and you can look at it logically, clinically, and dispassionately, be aware of what you're feeling at that time, but you will not allow yourself to feel it. And that's and particularly what, what can get dicey if you don't know what you're doing is leading a person through the death scene. You can get an awful lot of good from going through the death scene. Let's face it, we are we we all are gonna do it, we all have done it probably thousands of times. And uh, there's a lot to be learned from that. And the therapist doing that has to 
has to make sure that that person has a positive death experience as much as possible and also learns from something from that death experience. Not just, you know, like on a video, okay, now you're dead. No. Not good. No, and it's not appropriate is what is is the truth. No. Really, it's not an appropriate way to handle things. Um you know the script that I that I read the first time, and I didn't know any better at the time. You know, like you said, anybody can pick up a script and start reading it. Um, luckily, the script that I used at first took the time to build a safe place, which was good. But at the time, I didn't know how to manage that. I didn't know what you were talking about, um, and you know the the script was just like, okay, um, we're gonna move to the death scene now, and that and those words alone can cause anxiety immediately. It's like, okay, now we're going to let you watch your own death now. <laughs> and people will be like, whoa, whoa, what the hell are you talking about? Like, oh, hold on, I don't want to die. Like, Yeah, but you know, it's, the way that, you're, that you can frame it is, the way I do it is just we're going to move, we're going to start moving into the next most important scene. We're going to start moving to the next important scene. And then as they, typically they will get older and older and older. And then the death scene will just naturally come about. And you don't even have to say, okay, we're going to go to your death now. They'll be like, oh, I'm on my deathbed. And that's just the most like natural thing they could say. Oh, I'm on my deathbed and I'm surrounded by my family. I'm old. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's, fa- let's just move through this scene very, you know, just kind of tell me as things progress what's going on. And they'll tell you, oh, my, my son's crying on my lap and I'm telling him it's going to be okay. My husband's kissing my forehead and... Oh, okay. I'm dead now. It's just like matter of fact. Oh, like a matter of fact. You know, I will say to them, "You've been there many times before, so let's just go through it." You know, almost like saying, "Been there, done that." Got the T-shirt, which is basically what I'm asking. I might not use those words, but that—that's that, the sentiment that I'm getting across. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and, you've been this way many times before. And your tone of voice, as the as the practitioner, will have a great effect. It's just like. If you frame it as like, oh, a mysterious death, let's find out what's happening instead of like, oh, I'm already aware of what's going to happen. Let's just go ahead and take care of this real quick. Exactly. It's it's, you as the practitioner have a lot of of we'll call it authority because these people are placing their trust in you to guide them through this situation. And and they're trusting you to keep them stable and safe throughout and that's why your tone of voice and the way we set these things up is so important absolutely and i have you know like i said i have a lot of people that listen to this that are starting to get into this they'll they'll find my episodes that kind of go through what is past life regression how do we do it why are we doing it and i'm really glad that we can speak to you bruce because you like I said at the beginning, you're an expert. You've been doing this for a long, long time. You teach classes. And really, hypnosis is nothing to be scared of. And it's it's only dangerous if, if people don't know how to properly manage you know, those some, reactions. Don't, some people don't even use the H word. It's approach avoidance with some people. I do because I've been doing it for 45 years, and I'm comfortable doing it. Other people will say, we're going to use guided guided meditation. That's hypnosis. It's ex- that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to 
use guided relaxation, guided meditation. They're doing hypnosis. They're just not calling it hypnosis. And if anybody in your audience would like to learn how to do uh, past life regression and or clinical hypnotherapy, they can find out about it on my website. You know, perhaps you can put that up there, drkowalski.com. There are sections on my website devoted to hypnotherapy, uh, one-on-one hypnotherapy, one-on-one past life regression, and also uh, training in in past life regression and training in, in, in hypnotherapy. So they're invited to look uh, to look at uh, look and learn about that. They can contact me if they'd like through my website. So drkaloski.com. D-R-K-A-L-O-S-K-I.com. Yep, absolutely. Anybody who is is looking at learning more about hypnosis in general, learning more about the process, being trained, being certified um, as a clinical hypnotherapist as a past life regression hypnotherapist definitely head over to drkoloski.com you can find that link in the description and bruce before we kind of wrap up here do you have a message that you would like to leave for my audience yes i would admonish your audience to live each and every day of their life as if it were their last because someday they'll be right (laughs) <laughs> think about it <laughs> it's true. hey we've already done it a, a thousand thousands of times before <laughs> been there done that got the t-shirt it's nothing to be nothing to be scared of that we'll just go no, around, I, I, around actually I, I was kidding around but really that that's one of any anyone with the fear of death which is the second most common fear okay in in the world is fear of death uh you know what the first one is no fear of public speaking it goes, you know the, how it ranks, fear of public speaking, fear of death. So I guess that means that more people, you ask a person, more people would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy when you look at it that way. But, uh, yeah, that's the, one of the things I learned. Hey, before I, I had a horrible fear of death, debilitating fear of death. It was only when I started studying reincarnation and past life regression that I was able to overcome that, as I hear from my, almost every day from my clients. Students. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I'm sure that anybody listening to this could probably agree with that. And Bruce, thanks so much for coming back Bye. on my Bye. show. My pleasure. I loved it the, the first time I did it. I love it even more this time. And we'll do it again sometime soon. Bye-bye now. That's it for today's episode. I would like to thank Dr. Koloski once again for coming on to the show. I would also like to thank you for tuning in. Definitely don't forget to follow me in your podcast player. Definitely don't forget to share the show with everybody you know in the entire world so that we can grow the community. And if you're interested in obtaining a board certification for past life regression hypnotherapy or clinical hypnotherapy, don't forget to head over to the link in the description under board certification. You can get that 25% discount on Dr. Koloski's training. If you want to come on the show, shoot me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com, and I would love to have you on the show. Can you see beyond your mind? Can you shine light on the treasure that you are? Can you be at ease for a moment? Can you feel that peace and zoning? Everything that you are.
my, my grandmother passed away like right right before we spoke last time uh, last week or whenever it was and we had just gotten back from the funeral the day before and I have a, a baby girl that's one year old oh. and my stupid aunt that I just cannot stand cannot stand her she came up and she's like oh I've never seen your baby I've never met your <laughs> right on right onto my baby Thank and I you. was like are you kidding me are you kidding me and so then my baby got sick she had a fever for three days and then my my whole family got sick and I was just like oh <laughs> just what you needed right now yeah 